Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello again, women's basketball fans. Happy Thursday. Hope you enjoyed all things Clubhouse and Twitter spaces. Of course, we had Christina Williams on the show yesterday to talk about Girls Talk Sports TV and the fantastic job that she is doing on Clubhouse. And ooh, are we going to talk about Clubhouse today? If you missed it, Courtney Williams talked about the very controversial and oft-recycled idea that Basketball rims should be lowered for women's basketball. Definitely going to talk about that later in the show. But first, let's get a little bit into NCAA. We have the NCAA bracket and the WNIT bracket. So let's break that down. The four seeds, the top four seeds, or the top number one seeds, I should say, overall for the bracket are as follows. Stanford. UConn, South Carolina, and NC State. Oh, yeah. So the way that the tournament is, is, of course, that um, they're, it's all at one site. So everything from round one to the final four is going to be in San Antonio. And so what they've done is they've named these brackets after different famous areas or, you know, whatnot in the San Antonio area. So first, starting with the Alamo region, that is with Stanford at uh, at the top, and Louisville is the number two seed there. Uh, You've got Arkansas at four and Georgia at three in the Alamo region. Uh, if we cut across the bracket from, if you're looking at your bracket, you can check that out online. I'll drop the description for you as well. But if you check out the Riverwalk region, anyone ever been to San Antonio, the Riverwalk? It's kind of cool. It's very cool, actually. Also featured in the film Selena. So go check it out. <laughs> anyway, Yukon is number one in the Riverwalk region. The number two there is Baylor. And then you have Tennessee and Kentucky rounding out three and four for the Riverwalk region. And then if we shoot down from the Riverwalk region, so on the same side of the bracket as the Yukon region, you have the NC State region or the Mercado or the Mercado region. NC State at number one. They will be playing A&T in the first round. All right. North Carolina raise up. And um, let's see. We've got in that bracket also the number two seed is Texas A&M. Number three is Arizona. And number four, Indiana in their Mercado region. And cutting across from the Mercado region, so just under the Alamo region, we have South Carolina as the number one, Maryland as the number two. A lot of people liking Maryland. I can't disagree. I like Maryland. Um, 
Maryland at number two, UCLA at number three, and then of course West Virginia at number four. Um, so heard a lot of predictions. I think um, Maryland has a really good shot to go pretty far, but I'm going to defer to our experts, Amy Audibert and Gabe Ibrahim. Now they made some predictions about the bracket before it coming out Monday night, and uh, I'm sure they will return to go over their predictions. So if you haven't listened to Monday's show, highly recommend that. Other things to talk about when it comes to NCAA Division One is, of course, the WNIT. And so the WNIT has a pre- and post-season tournament. So obviously we're going to talk about the 32-team 2021 post-season WNIT. Let's take a look at this bracket so some teams, uh, and I know Gino Ariema talked about this, but some teams that we see here that didn't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, first, I'll start with the ones that I cover as a Big East reporter, but that would be DePaul. You've got Creighton. Villanova is here in this bracket as well. Uh, Notre Dame did not make the NCAA tournament and is not listed on the WNIT bracket. So um, something very different that we see. But uh, let's start with um, looking at this bracket. You've got uh, UT in the Memphis region, excuse me, UT Martin at the top of the table. They're going to face Nebraska. Louisiana takes on Colorado. Samford and Ole Miss go head-to-head in the first round. And you've got Illinois State and Tulane. And that first round starts March 19th. So that's tomorrow, Friday. On the other side of the bracket, at the top of the bracket, Fort Worth region, you have Arizona State and Rice, Fresno State, Missouri, San Francisco and Houston, and California Baptist and New Mexico. All of this will be presented on Flow Hoops, so check it out. Uh, then in the Charlotte region, you have Fordham and Delaware, Ohio and Clemson, Charlotte and Florida, and Massachusetts, and the aforementioned Villanova. On the other side of the lower part of the bracket, in the Rockford region, you have Northern Iowa, Dayton, and then Creighton, Takes on Bowling Green. That's another um, Big East team. St. Louis and DePaul, also representing the Big East, DePaul, that is. And Milwaukee versus Drake. So now this championship is taking place in a few different regions. So unlike the NCAA tournament, they are going to be in true regions. So the Rockford region is in Illinois. Shout out to the Peaches. Anyone? A league of their own? All-American Girls Professional Baseball League? Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Anyway, uh, in the Charlotte region is indeed taking place in Charlotte, North Carolina. You have also the Memphis region, Memphis, Tennessee, and Fort Worth. That's Fort Worth, Texas, of course. And then the championship will be held in Tennessee. So a very different approach Um, Of course, we are still dealing with coronavirus. NCAA season has 
soldiered on when it comes to all sports, all sports, all athletes, of course, have been impacted by at minimum the schedule change, the demands of a constantly changing schedule. But we've also seen players test positive. We've seen coaches test positive. We've seen coaches, families test positive, which leads me to talking about UConn. Going back to the NCAA bracket for just a minute, but big news coming out. UConn will be without two, two of their coaching staff. They will be without Gino Oriema. They will be without Shea Ralph. Uh, Gino Oriema tested positive for COVID um, and at the earliest can join rejoin his team March 24th. In a conversation with media, Gino seemed pretty confident that, um, you know, his, I got the impression, I should say, that um, his situation was more of a testing thing. He said he tested negative, every, getting tests every day, negative, 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 um, you know, didn't really have much change. And then he got a positive test. He said he got two tests, one positive, one negative. Um, don't know the order of those tests. Um, if I had to guess, again, this is just me guessing, probably got the negative test, then took another one. Usually what we see is that you need to have um, at least two consecutive uh, negative tests, but also in the abundance of caution, we see that Gina Oriema has been, he's in quarantine, he's isolated, him and his family in his home, will not travel. Now, UConn did travel. UConn did travel, and they went with their coaching staff, Chris Daly, um, Shay Ralph, and, uh, and Jamel Elliott. Um, but we got the news just a day or so after the Gino Oriema news that Shay Ralph, former Yukon Husky herself, will return home from San Antonio. So already traveled. The team had traveled to San Antonio as scheduled on Tuesday. This is after a Sunday announcement or a Sunday test that Gino Oriema, uh, a positive COVID test. Uh, Shay Ralph, though, Herself has not tested positive, but one of her family members has tested positive. So out of an abundance of caution, she will be leaving San Antonio, will be leaving the team, and will return. And so again, that leaves the Huskies with two coaches, associate head coach Chris Daly and assistant Jamel Elliott. And uh, this is Michelle Vopel reporting for ESPN. Shay Ralph has tested negative um, for all of her testing, in, including twice while in San Antonio. Um, but, you know, again, this is one of those things we keep saying it is a virus. It's unpredictable. We don't uh, we do our best to do contact tracing. But once it's in, it's in. We saw that in um We've seen that in hockey. We've seen that other places. But I think that this is the right move out of an abundance of caution. Not to mention that, you know, we haven't really been given any updates on Shay Ralph. Of course, we hope that her family member is um, doing okay. I mean, COVID is no joke. Gina Oriema says he's not, uh, he's asymptomatic. Don't know what the situation is with Shay Ralph. But of course, wishing her the best, but certainly something to keep an eye on. The Yukon Huskies, the number one seed, one of the number one seeds going into the tournament are down 
to coaches because of COVID. There's the mental part of this. And then of course there's the um, health and safety part of this. So developing story, but coming up next, I'm going to reveal the Michelob Ultra player of the week. All right. In the first segment, we talked all about NCAA basketball. And now it is time to present you with the ultra player of the week. And again, it's a difficult choice, but you know me, I always like to always like to make it a little different. And Michelob Ultra really asks the question, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? And the person that I think embodies this very well and who has been honored by the WBCA as the 2021 Mel Greenberg Media Award recipient is none other than the one, the only, LaChina Robinson. She is the second black woman in 30 years to win this award, following in the footsteps of Robin Roberts. I want to read from you to you from LaChina's Twitter account. Thank you for this award and thank you to everyone who reached out. Grateful. Following your purpose will always cost you, but when you are doing what you love, it's well worth the price. That sounds like someone who enjoys what they do. That sounds like someone who has found a way to embody happiness and joy, and not only in their work, but to spread that love. So congratulations to LaChina Robinson for winning the Greenberg Media Award, and congratulations for being our Locked on Women's Basketball Player of the Week presented by Michelob Ultra. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action. Hey, we know football is over, but we still have the NBA, NCAA, and the NHL. Not to mention that Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it is the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. And if you sign up, at the website or on your mobile device, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and make sure to let them know we sent you using promo code Locked On. Again, that's 50% off your first deposit as a welcome bonus, and use that promo code Locked On. Big congratulations to LaChina Robinson. I mean, again, the second black woman in 30 years. I've talked about LaChina Robinson. I shared that article that I did about Around the Room at an NCAA Final Four. Actually, the last NCAA Final Four that we were all able to be at together. And um, LaChina is a personal mentor of mine. I am not an analyst, not yet at least, in the basketball space. But when I had questions, general questions about ice hockey, when I knew I was going to be on the mic, um, LaChina was there. Uh, we've had a few phone calls here and there, text messages, emails, and she has been great in helping me um, find my way and 
continue to move in a space where I'm both confident, but also curious and always learning. And I love this for Latrina Robinson. Um, Earlier I read her tweet, but I would like to read what WBCA is saying about Latrina Robinson. So WBCA, which again is the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, Um, And here's a little bit more about the award. Named after Mel Greenberg, the Philadelphia Philadelphia Inquirer sports writer who founded the Associated Press Top 25 Women's Basketball Poll, the award is presented annually to a member of the media or sports communications professional who has best displayed a commitment to women's basketball and to advancing the role of the media in the women's game. Selected by past recipients of the award, the candidate must have made a positive impact on the growth on the growth and public exposure, regional or national been involved in the media exposure of women's basketball for a minimum of five years and should be a media ambassador for the women's game. Greenberg, the preeminent name in women's basketball coverage, received the inaugural award in 1991. And uh, in the release, this is Latrina Robinson. I literally cried when I found out I am being honored as the recipient of this year's award. After playing my last collegiate basketball game, I knew I wanted to give back to the sport that shaped the trajectory of my life. However, I never dreamed I would receive a recognition like this while supporting the game I love. I am so grateful to God for giving me this life purpose and for all of the people who have supported my journey. To my family, friends, mentors, colleagues, and stakeholders of our game, thank you for believing in my dream to help grow the sport of women's basketball. Beyond the recognition of this award in and of itself, it means so much to me that this is a recognition from my peers who selected me for this honor. It means even more to be the second black woman in 30 years to receive the Mel Greenberg Media Award, second to the great Robin Roberts. I hope all of the coaches and players I have had the pleasure and privilege to cover throughout my career know how many great memories and moments they have brought to my life. I look forward to continuing our work together and to collectively expand the reach of this great sport to an even bigger and more diverse audience. Thank you. That, of course, was Lachina Robinson. A few things stand out to me. One I've already said, but the other is that this is this is voted on by past recipients. And that means that now, including Lachida Robinson... There will be two black women at the table. Representation matters. And speaking of representation, let's talk about Clubhouse. Betting on basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. I really uh, haven't paid much attention, if I'm being honest, to the discourse um, when it comes to what Shaq and Candace Parker said 
um, regarding lowering the rims. I've, it's just been across my timeline, but I, I just don't consume that. I'm not really that interested. I'm not interested in lowering the rims and I'm not interested in the rationale that people who do think the rims should be lowered, but that changed on clubhouse because uh, the conversation came up. Christina Williams does a great job moderating, and I even teased her, like, all right, good luck. There's a lot of news. Good luck moderating this one. And uh, there we go. We start talking about lowering the rims. But the thing about Clubhouse, and we talked about this in yesterday's show, is that athletes are there too. And there was, um, you know, I think it was Meredith Cash who was saying, hey, uh, you know, I wrote a whole story about this. I basically just restated what Neka Ogumike said. And, and Neka basically was saying, and I'll post the um, full article, Meredith's article, and some uh, links from what Neka said about a year ago now. And it's like, it's disrespectful. You know, uh, basketball players, women's basketball players don't go to other people's jobs and tell them how to do their job or what they should do to make it more entertaining. Um, to which then Courtney Williams chimed in and said that she agrees with Shaq. Um, or that she disagrees with NECA. She said, a lot of love, a lot of respect for NECA, but I disagree. She's like, I'll say it to NECA, I'll say it to anybody. I think we should lower the rims. One of the reasons she gave, you know, in passing was that, hey, if the rims are lowered, you know, Courtney Williams can can dunk. And um, she and uh, a few other people also made the, the comment or alluded to the fact that, you know, getting upset about the conversation around lowering the rims and kind of calling it sexism it is not the intent. It wasn't the intent of Shaq. And it, it really, to take a conversation about lowering the rims to that uh, is being essentially sensitive is what Courtney Williams felt. And she felt that Shaq is a business person and that is why he mentioned lowering the rims, to which I started asking, and I've been asking this question, you know, in my head. Well, if lowering the rims in women's basketball is truly about making the sport more entertaining, what are other things to do? I mean, are you going to lower the rims for all of basketball? Um, you know, and I, I feel like we didn't really get to that conversation. It was a little tough, you know, people uh, wanting to chime in a lot. But the point that I was really trying to make is, um, one, I'm not interested in lowering the rims. I did tell Courtney, I'm, I 100% disagree with you. But I appreciated her saying that um, because I'd never thought about it. I've, I've only heard basketball players and women's basketball players say, no, we shouldn't lower the rims. So I appreciated Courtney Williams offering that. Um, I do think, and this is a point I was trying to make, I do think that Shaq, he's an entertainer. And even bringing up that conversation while having Candace Parker right there, that was entertainment, okay? There are certain people that rock the boat, you know, and someone disagreed with me and, and tried to um, maybe allude that I was getting to to sexism, and that's not what I meant. I do think Shaq knew exactly what he was doing. I do think that um, he wanted to make a business argument for women's basketball, but I also think that he knows that this conversation is going to <laughs> be swirling around the internet. And who is that good for? That's good for Shaq. That's good for Candace. That's good for everyone else on that panel. And it's good for that panel. 
RockAuto.com is your friendly family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as the standard do-it-yourselfer. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your vehicle and type locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock auto.com. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is that amazingly low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of the bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness, y'all. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Bard underscore Built on Twitter to vote for the head-to-head for the best flavor of Built Bar. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. There are a few times that Shaq and Candace have gone toe to toe. So now we're, I haven't even watched the, the segment and I know about it. That's what I'm saying. That's why um, it's interesting to me. I think there is that element of it. And I likened it to Barstool. I usually don't even say that name, but I likened it to Barstool because I'm experiencing this in women's hockey. If you, if, you know, I could say Barstool, there will be someone who listens to this and somehow someone who never listens to myself will hear that I said Barstool, what, four or five times now? And then I'll start to get attention from people who are Barstool supporters who never promote my work and they will bring all of this negative energy to something that they have proven through their clicks and watch and watches and watches what views there we go through their clicks and views and listens that they don't ever listen to me don't know who I am but because I mentioned barstool they will come and find me and find a way to disparage anything that I say that's the kind of energy that I feel bringing up lowering the rims brings to women's basketball and to the WNBA oh well all media is good media Um, no, (laughs) it's not. Because if that was the case, then women wouldn't need to fight as hard as we do to get on national television, even in the WNBA. Last season, um, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, that's when the WNBA got the most nationally televised um, games that they've ever had in a season. And the season was shorter by what, 12 games or something like that. So in a shortened season, somehow networks found more time for the WNBA than they usually do when they have a full season, they're in their arenas, etc., etc., etc. I don't think it's worth it even to have the conversation, but 
maybe I'm wrong because here I am talking about it. We talked about it on Clubhouse with Christina Williams and her moderating Women's Basketball Wednesday. We talked about it in the pregame. She hosted a conversation on Twitter Spaces. Shaq's talking about it. Candace Parker's talking about it. There are all these memes and gifts. People are talking about it. And yeah, there is negative, but there's also people coming to, quote unquote, the defense of women's basketball. I don't know. Seems like more of a headache than it's worth to me. But I do think there is something. And um, someone who used to work with the WNBA and marketing said this, and I have said this loud and proud and will continue to say so until I am proven wrong. The WNBA does not know how to market black women in basketball historically. I do think it's getting better. And I talked about that on Twitter spaces with Christina Williams. I think it's getting better, but over the course of 24 seasons, the WNBA is on the, um, lower scale when it comes to the ability to positively and accurately promote what it is, as opposed to having to prove what it isn't. And what I would have said in clubhouse is that, um, even the notion and the concept of lowering rims comes from a male gaze, G-A-Z-E, and the expectation that basketball is dunking. And, you know, people bring up the fundamentals conversation and someone on Clubhouse said, oh, well, you know, fundamentals don't sell tickets. And Courtney Williams said, even if it did, like some of our, (laughs) some of our highlights be trash. I mean, that's basically what she was saying, which I don't disagree with, but that's not because women's basketball is not entertaining. That's because women's basketball is in the hands of people who don't know how to promote women's basketball. And they're not being true to what it is as opposed to trying to fit women's basketball into what the NBA is. That's a problem. Stand true on your product. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong in emulating something. We see that, you know, Clubhouse started and now you've got these things like Locker Room and um, Twitter Spaces. And honestly, I don't know which came first, but the point is that Clubhouse right now is benefiting from this audio only model some have existed before Clubhouse, I'm sure. More are coming after Clubhouse. Other play, other people are integrating, and there is a difference between being a straight-up copycat and taking a trend and making it work for your culture. And I don't think that the WNBA does the latter enough. I don't think they, they take the trends that exist, mix that with the market that they are known to have or the market that they are striving for and find a nice blend between honoring your history and your culture and moving to the next thing. I don't see innovation. I don't see, um, I haven't seen, I should say, uh, a commitment to what the WNBA is. But that is what I have not seen to date. I do think that this new campaign, Count It, is uh, a move in the right direction. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked on NBA Draft.
when you make the impossible shot, you tell your opponents, count it. You make them eat their words. You tell them, come see me. They said women couldn't dunk. We said, count it, that women couldn't play after having kids. Candace was an MVP making history. I mean, Dewana had twins. Count that twice. They said we should shut up and dribble. We didn't. That pride should have no place on the court, but love wins on this court. Count Asia's monument, count rocking the boat. We show up in video games and show out everywhere else. Impossible shot after impossible shot after impossible shot. You know what to do. WNBA 25, count it. Lisa Leslie, that was Lisa Leslie narrating the count it, hashtag count it, and there's an actual hashtag. I love that. It was set up, it was ready. I know that some influencers, myself included, thank you so much, WNBA, we were able to um, get that video and to share out that video. And um, I think this is a step in the right direction. Having Lisa Leslie narrate it, they've had active players before narrate other things in WNBA. Um, the video talked about having moms in the league. <laughs> the video hit on dunking, for those who don't know. Lisa Leslie was the first player to dunk in the WNBA. Um, it hit on a lot of things. It hit on Black Lives Matter. It hit on Renee Montgomery becoming an owner of the Atlanta Dream. So I think, and I said this on Twitter Spaces, um, the pregame to Clubhouse yesterday, I think this is one of the more diverse campaigns that I've seen from the WNBA. And I don't mean like, um, I don't mean gender diversity, um, although they did not have Lasia Clarendon. I don't remember seeing them in the video. But the point is that I don't think it's diversity as far as like, age or race or gender, I really think it's a diversity of storytelling for the WNBA that we haven't seen. And I hope that this lasts, to be quite honest. And I think it will, because along with the Count It video that we saw, we got, and it's a long email, y'all, so I'm gonna do my best to um, go over it but we got uh, a press release that goes over all of the things that the WNBA is going to do in the commemorative commemorative, excuse me, 25th season. The Count It campaign is going to be happening all season long. And here are some of the things that the WNBA has planned. I'm just going to read them from the list. The W25. This is going to commemorate the historic season and honor the league's greatest players since its inception in 1997. These game-changing athletes will be selected based on their overall contribution to the league and community. WNBA fans will have a chance to vote on their favorite players and choose those they believe should be a part of this elite collection of athletes. So we're going to get another, you know, top all-time list, essentially. Then we have WNBA 25 Greatest Moments. Greatest moments will be determined during the 2021 campaign with the moments being ranked from number 25 to number one. So what do you think should be on this list? Uh, obviously the shot is gonna be up there. I think the hand be heave 
could be up there. We saw in the video, obviously this is a podcast, but if you check out the video, check me out at elinz08. You'll see the Count It campaign on my timeline. But um, in the video was Skylar Diggins-Smith's shot. Um, just nasty dagger in the wobble. Uh, will that make it? Um, the first dunk, will that make it? There have been some great moments. So what do y'all think? Let me know. And you can check out the video if you haven't seen it already at elinz08. And then let me know after you listen to this show, what do you want to see as some of the top moments? New WNBA outfitting and game ball for the 25th season. You'll also see on my social media, Wilson is the new ball. I think they're getting rid of the oatmeal. I heard from Michelle Vopel that <laughs> not a lot of people really like the oatmeal. I kind of liked it, you know, the off white, I guess, but it looks like they're going all white, new ball. It's gonna be a Wilson ball. It has uh, a new kind of color, but it is still orange and white. It's just not that oatmeal white anymore. Um, but, Leading up to the start of the 25th season, inaugural WNBA changemaker Nike will celebrate the league's dynamic athletes with new uniform innovation and deeper storytelling and details. So Supert alluded to not only will we get more detail as this press release says, but that we'll get an alternate, kind of like a city logo, which I guess goes to what this press release is saying about deeper storytelling and uniform, uniform innovation, excuse me. <clears throat> WNBA 25th Season Advisory Council. This is a new council comprised of women's basketball pioneers and WNBA legends. Some of the people on this list include Cynthia Cooper, Fran Harris, Lauren Jackson, Lisa Leslie, Rebecca Lobo, Cheryl Swoops, Lindsay Whalen, Teaspoon, Teresa Weatherspoon, The Shot, Hello, Val Ackerman, Carol Stiff, Rick Welts, and, you know, on and on. Rick, Carol, um, Val Ackerman from the business side have been there since the beginning. So I think that's excited. And of course, the players. The WNBA Social Justice established in 2020, excuse me, established in the 2020 season, the WNBA Justice Movement is a platform through which the league will continue to lead important work in the community to combat racial and gender inequity inequality, excuse me, promote advocacy for the LGBTQ, for LGBTQ plus rights and champion reform in systems where injustice persists. Mentioned Lasia Clarendon on the show earlier. He is someone that I really think will continue to be a leader in this space. And they led the social justice council on the, from the players side of things last season. So excited to see if Lasia reprises that role. Then we get the WNBA Commissioner's Cup. This was something that was announced when Kathy Engelbert came on board, then, you know, Rona. But let me read what it says about the Commissioner's Cup. This is an innovative, multifaceted competition platform, a quote, competition within a competition that features player prize pools. The Commissioner's Cup is comprised of 10 designated regular season games per team and culminates in a championship game between the two teams atop the standings in each conference. Sidebar, why do we still have conferences if they don't really mean anything? Okay, for the Commissioner's Cup, I guess, and maybe for Player of the Week, Player of the Month, Coach of the, week, of the Year or Coach of the Month, whatever. It bothers me. Just bring back conferences. Okay, let's go back to the press release. Um, 
Uniquely, the Commissioner's Cup platform also convenes fans, players, and partners in the local communities for conversations and programming centered on equality and social justice. The Commissioner's Cup championship game will take place following the Olympic break as an exciting jumpstart to the resumption of the WNBA regular season action. Additional information about the Commissioner's Cup will be forthcoming. So here's what we get from this. We're going to get a championship game. These 10 games will be designated, kind of like highlighted. It's like, um, you know, double jeopardy bonus points or whatever, I guess. And then those points will be added in the two... Uh, teams, one from the Eastern Conference, one from the Western Conference, those will be the champions, and that will kick off the return of the WNBA. Now, you want to talk about entertainment, you want to talk about excitement, and you want to talk about good business, this is what you do. You don't lower the rims, but you're like, hey, yay, Olympics, that's so exciting. Now, let's see the top two teams based on this criteria take uh, go head to head in a championship match within the regular season. That's exciting. That is exciting. I'm excited. Don't lower the rims. Courtney Williams, I know you want to dunk, sis. I don't know what to tell you, but don't lower the rims. Um, so that's what we get about WNBA 25. We did not get the schedule. Still waiting on that. Obviously, there will be a, an Olympic break. That was You see how that was kind of put in here. Um, I'm excited. I have uh, a few pretty big stories that I'm working on um, that will chronicle the history of the WNBA in what I believe are unique ways. Of course, I believe that. Uh, not only because I'm writing it, but also I thought of it. Um, but I think you will as, as well. Uh, just a different and unique way of storytelling for uh, WNBA history, which is what I love to do. But I know this is what you'll really love with the um, inclusion of the Social Justice Council and also the Commissioner's Cup community conversations, I think what we're also going to have to reprise is social justice Thursdays. I mean, let's, let's be real. Did it ever really go away? Not really. But, um, I kind of liked that format. Uh, what did you think about it? We had some pretty real conversations. It's obviously necessary. And I didn't mention this earlier in the show. Um, but I did appreciate that Christina Williams on Twitter Spaces and also again in Clubhouse started the conversation talking about the um, the shooting that happened in Atlanta, the mass shooting where unfortunately um, Asian American uh, women in particular were targeted and murdered. Um, justice requires those who say they champion justice to show up for justice at all times. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And you can have, be personally victimized by someone and still advocate for their humanity. You can feel personally victimized by someone and still call a spade a spade. What's right is right. White supremacy targeted attacks on specific communities is not okay. And I appreciate Christina Williams and the WNBA players for addressing that. Uh, I believe it was Monique Billings that said, hey, I've played basketball in a lot of Asian countries as a professional athlete. So yeah, I, I kind of took this personal. 
Um, because I, th- I thought, what if that was someone that I knew that I've played with that helped me when I was in another country? Does that ignore that there are tensions between the Asian, generally speaking, the Asian community and the black community? No, of course not. We still need to fix that. But that doesn't mean that we should um, turn a blind eye to when, again, a community is targeted specifically because of their descendancy and their culture. We're going to have more Social Justice Thursdays. We have a lot to break down when it comes to WNBA 25. And of course, the WNIT starts tomorrow. I broke down that earlier in the show. You've got NCAA that starts. I told you I'm going to be keeping an eye on UConn and their COVID cases um, or situation. I mean, again, Gino has COVID. Shea Ralph, a family member, contracted COVID, and that's all that we know so far, but not just UConn, but other places. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. But as always, thank you for listening to Locked on Women's Basketball. Tomorrow you will hear from Howard Megdal, so you're not going to want to miss that. And on Monday, again, you will have Amy Audibert and Gabe Ibrahim. For now, though, this is Erica Lindsay Ayala. I am signing out. 